0: Welcome back to Desire Made Real, a Discovery of Witches podcast where we recap every episode of the television show spoiler-free. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and today I am freezing my ass off on this very cold January day. And I'm Caitlin, and I'm
1: really jealous that you're freezing your ass off because here it's just like spring. You're like
0: in Canada, what the heck? So I live on the west coast of Canada, we just get rain. Well, we just have rain here, too. I mean, because I'm in North Carolina, so I'm like southeast United States, and it has been very cold and rainy. Not quite snow. We were supposed to get snow, didn't get snow. But now that it's not raining anymore, it got cold. So we get the cold without the snow, and it's just not fair. That happens here, too. When it doesn't rain, it gets cold, except Mm -hmm.
1: it always rains every single day, forever. Forever. Aw. I mean, keep in mind, they filmed Twilight here. You know, they chose it. For a reason. I know. I mean, they filmed everything else here too, but... Well, that was... That was, that was a tangent. tangent. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so here on this show, uh, each week, we recap the episode spoiler-free. Uh, we'll also include a segment at the end to discuss the books, how well the adaptation works, and we will likely dive into some spoilers there. But don't worry. We'll give you plenty of warning before we get there. Episode four was written by Lisa Holdsworth and directed by everybody's favorite... Farron Blackburn.
0: I feel like we need a (laughs) t-shirt Yeah, that says everybody's favorite director Farron Blackburn. Coolest name ever.
1: Okay so I didn't realize when we recorded our first episode but he's on Twitter and every day for me is a struggle not to be like hello I love your name that's all (laughs) you have the best name
0: ever. Yes best name ever it is it is a very good name I, I like it a lot.
1: All right. And before we get into the episode, we have a new section called Corrections. I'm sure all of you listening to our previous episodes were yelling at me at some point. We've gotten emails about it. So I'm 100% sure. (laughs) But this is the first episode we're recording after one of our episodes and after the show has started airing. Does that make sense? We've released our episode one. Anyways, so this is the first time we've had a chance to really respond to anyone. So first and most important correction, Adam Sklar is hard of hearing. He is fully deaf. Yeah, his Wikipedia page doesn't say that.
0: Right. We both Googled to look it up and we both miserably failed in finding this information about him. Um, I didn't think to go through his old Instagram posts and look at his stories and things like that which I think is where he has talked about it and the great um, thing is
1: like you just go to his Instagram page and you can clearly see that he's wearing hearing aids and
0: Mm -hmm. I saw that I was like oh no I'm dumb Mm -hmm. oh we both missed it and uh, I I feel horrible about it but Mm -hmm. also glad that this is something that we were hoping they would do that they actually did do
1: yeah and I mean we didn't he he was always great. He, yes. So, wonderful. It, it's good news other than we were wrong. We were wrong. Adam yeah.
0: Sklar, if you were listening, I am very sorry.
1: Um, so, right. So that one was very important. And now we've got less important ones, but I'm sure people were still yelling at us. So the vampire, the other vampire in the house that we couldn't remember the name of, and you were like, maybe it's something like Ferdinand. So his name is Pierre hmm And we were thinking Ferdinand sounded right because there is a family member in the ve- in the Declaremonts named Fernando.
0: Who shows up much later. Who shows up in book three. Yeah. So... Yeah, I was reading through um, early parts of Shadow of Night, and I was like, oh, his name was Pierre. Yeah. And then I was like, well, it doesn't actually matter because they don't tell us his name. <laughs> I do think it comes up actually in episode five. Ah. So
1: we will... Anyways, that we will was get just, there. Yeah, we'll get there. That was just funny. And then uh, last week, I talked about how I was fairly certain that Diana didn't meet Queen Elizabeth or Lord Burley until after they got back from Prague. Apparently, I was I wasn't 100% wrong on that one, because I just read that bit in the book, and it's almost exactly like it is in the show. Lord huh. Burley turns up at their house, and then they have to go see the queen, and I had absolutely no memory of that whatsoever. Like literally reading it in the book, I was
0: like, did they steal this from the show? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you have a magic book. Yeah. That changed itself after the show came out. It was, it was wild for me. Wow. Yeah, it's so crazy. Whenever you do a podcast, like about a show that's adapted on a book, and you've read those books, but you haven't read them in a while like all of the information just gets so jumbled up. Yeah. Like I think we made a conscious decision or at least I made a conscious decision that even though I did want to reread the books, I wanted to watch the show first because I wanted to judge the adaptation on the adaptation itself. Right. And it makes it more complicated though Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you misremember and you think certain things happened and they didn't. And it's, it's just a thing, you know, we, it's, it's a thing you have to live with if you're going to podcast about book adaptations. Yeah,
1: uh, I fully meant to reread the book before the season started,
0: but life. Yeah. I mean, who has time to read during a pandemic? <laughs> like, that sounds like a joke, but it's not because there's so many other things that we're dealing with. And uh, working from home takes up all of your time. And it's just. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. But now we can move on to the episode. Yay! Okay, so I'm gonna, I think I'm funny, so I am gonna say I don't necessarily know that we need to have a long conversation on the beat by beat because nothing happened in this episode. Marcus meets Phoebe, they flirt horribly, the miniatures are stolen, Domenico finds out about it, and we find out that Blood Rage is back. I like how they flirt. They're so bad. I think they're cute. Dude, Marcus and Phoebe have no chemistry. I am so disappointed.
1: I disagree entirely. Well, hmm. Okay, that one's hard. I don't know about chemistry, but I like, I just really like, I like Edward Blumello's Marcus. I think he's great. And I like, oh God, her name. The actress who plays Phoebe, Adele. I can't believe I didn't write this down. Adele something.
0: Adele Leonce del leons
1: i just think they're great and i like them a lot but all right let's let's go back let's start at the beginning
0: at the beginning we have a very long previously
1: on i yeah the previous leons are very much like this is what's happening this episode
0: you know kind of i mean because most of the previously on here was season one stuff Mm -hmm. um finding you know sophie's baby the congregation marcus becoming grandmaster and not wanting to and then we get like the the stuff we just found out about last week, uh, Domenico's investigating the murders, Im's trying to summon the dead, Isabeau's protecting them but doesn't want to. But that's a lot to fit into like a thirty second previously on kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess the thing is they have to keep in mind the casual viewer who maybe watched season one once, you know, two years two ago. Two years ago. And not people like us who I've watched season one like three times since two years ago because sometimes I'm just like oh there's nothing else going on and I'll just put it on one night and it's yeah good background while I knit
0: fair enough not everybody is obsessive enough to do a podcast about it and watch it a lot so yeah those but, folks probably need all of that
1: information yeah but for those who are or even for the people who like listen to podcasts about it it's sometimes these previous Leon's are like wow you think we're
0: dumb yeah yeah, like, you're giving us the, all of the major plot points that we know are happening right now. Yeah. So, we got that. And then we get a cold open on top of that, of an inordinate amount of time spent on this dude who gets murdered. I guess they wanted you to care that Aranda was dying? But I didn't. Yeah. I have a, Okay, so this is going to be the first episode that I'm not super in love with the episode, if you can't tell. And so I may be a little harsher judging this one than that's, I have the previous ones. No, that's ones. fair,
1: because... It'll be a good conversation because I I agree with you that like nothing happened in this episode, but I still liked it. So I think it'll be a good
0: conversation. I think I struggle with it because the episodes that we've had so far have almost exclusively taken place in the past in 1590. Mm -hmm. And they've just spent so much time and effort making the past come alive. Yeah. And it feels so full and so rich and I just love those scenes Yeah. that now that we're back in the present in this episode entirely, we get no scenes from the past in this episode and it just feels flat to me. It's very lackluster and I'm just like, can we please get back to Diana and her beautiful clothes <laughs> and Matthew and his beard and Mary Sydney and Jack, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. So I, I struggled with this episode a lot. I, I've seen it a couple of times now and it, I kept finding more and more to nitpick about it the more Mm -hmm. I watched it instead of finding things I liked. I'm sorry. Don't apologize. You know, you feel what you feel.
1: My biggest problem with this episode was honestly where it felt because when we got access to the screeners, this was the last episode that we had access to at first. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of cut off here for a bit right before meeting Philippe. (laughs) my favorite character. That's why you were mad at this episode. That's why I was mad at this episode. And I was like, what? So from that point of view, yeah, I was pissed having to go back to modern day when I was like, Philippe is right there. Right Mm
0: -hmm. there. Especially when you get the the next on scenes at the end and he's like right there like doing horrible things to Diana and you want to like find out why because he's Philippe and you love him but Diana's screaming in pain and Then you didn't get to watch it. Yeah. I mean, luckily, we didn't have to wait too long. But I feel like
1: viewers in North America who have to wait a week, who are going to have to wait two weeks in between, you know, them leaving for France and then they get this episode and then another week until them getting to Philippe. That's going to be frustrating as heck. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, it's it's like the good old days of television when nothing was on demand and you had to wait. I don't know about good old days, but the (laughs) old days, yeah. All right. Okay. So this episode murder in oxford Domenico shows up okay because that's wait, wait, what he wait. does
1: so Domenico gets the call from the police officer and he's just like in a chair in a room somewhere what do you think he was uh-huh. doing what do you think was going on there why is he just sitting in this chair he was probably
0: surfing facebook on his laptop <laughs> i didn't even because see if you notice later whenever we see his inbox they whoever designed it made his inbox look exactly like facebook maybe, maybe but it's his email See, I told you, I'm going to nitpick on this episode. I I can't help it. No, no, that's hilarious. But, like, where
1: is he? There's, like, some people in the background. What is it a hotel? Why is he in a hotel? What's going on? Why is he just sitting there?
0: Where does Domenico live? Does he live in Venice, or is he not? We never Venice see anymore? where he lives. We, we just see him bugging everybody else. That's fair. So I'm wondering, maybe it is a hotel. Maybe he's sitting in a hotel lobby just waiting
1: That seems really boring. I mean, it was a pretty room. Sure. Anyways, then we cut over to Marcus and who we're about to learn is Phoebe. Yes. And And uh, in accordance with their conversation here,
0: the song playing and presumably the song that Marcus is listening to is True Faith by New Order. Yeah, they they talk a lot about music in this episode and most of it went over my head because I don't know this song. Yeah, 80s music, it all kind of sounds the same to me. Yeah, I don't know a lot about 80s music is, is really a thing, so. But apparently Phoebe didn't either. She had to yeah. Google it. So Mar-
1: Marcus would be terribly disappointed in us.
0: Oh, well. Well, I'm terribly disappointed in Marcus this episode, so it's fine. <laughs> Although he does make a wonderful joke in this scene mm-hmm. because he's at the auction house to look at Lot 42. Oh, yes. So he makes, of course, the Douglas Adams joke. Yes, And Phoebe gets it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two geeks just talking about geeky things. I will say I do love
1: how they've changed this scene from what it was in the book. Where, like, well, okay, I won't go into details because we don't really do that here. But in the book, Marcus came across as a bit of an asshole.
0: And I yes, don't know
1: why Phoebe was interested. So I like that they just kind of changed it up and, and made him a little bit more charming here. And also in the book, for some reason, we got so much about how Phoebe was... Concerned about how short she was and how she always had to wear heels. And I was like, oh, thank God they put her in flats and have her not fucking worried about that. Thank
0: you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So here's my note. Tons of flirting, but not much chemistry. Because I really don't think that the two of them have any chemistry on screen together. Like, And it is painful. All of their scenes are actually a little bit painful for me in this whole episode. Because I wanted so much more. Because Phoebe and Marcus are one of my favorite couples in the book series. Mm Mm-hmm. And Times con, I loved Times Convert, which focuses on Marcus and Phoebe um, after all of the events of the trilogy happen. And I just, I wanted so much more. And it's possible they'll grow on me. Like I said, this so far, this is the only episode I've seen them in. Mm -hmm. I have not watched past episode four yet. Don't ask me how I have managed to do that, but I haven't. So I don't know what it looks like when we see them again in the future. So I only have this one episode, which clearly I'm disappointed in. And I think it just all compounds my feelings. Mm. But even in the later scenes in this episode when they're together, I think they're cute. I think the dialogue as written is adorable and cute. And two other actors could have done a much better job with it than, than Phoebe and Marcus did. I don't know why, but I feel the exact opposite. Okay. Maybe I'm just having a bad day.
1: No, no, no. Don't try to excuse it. Like, if you (laughs) don't like them, you don't like them. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: I don't. It's weird, though, because I loved Marcus so much in season one. And in this episode, he just felt like a petulant teenager to me. Mm -hmm. The way he responded, like, I have notes about the way he, like, rolled his eyes sometimes. And he just, he was petulant. And I don't like that. And maybe they leaned into that a little bit because of what's coming because they focused so heavily on Marcus is the grandmaster now and he mm-hmm. has the power to step up and do something. So maybe they're setting up some of that development later on. That okay, so I've seen all 10 episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. So I would say yes, that 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 they wanted to give Marcus like a character arc this season.
0: Okay. That will make me feel better. About this episode, because I just felt like he has gone backwards. Like, we joked in season one about how young Marcus was, and mm-hmm. he was definitely, like, childlike. I mean, what? and our first introduction to him, Matthew, is just yelling at him mm-hmm. for, you know, potentially exposing them. And, and so he's always been kind of the child. Yeah. But he's still a grown-ass man who's hundreds of years old, and he's acting like a 24-year-old here and it just frustrated me a little bit but you know he's clearly smitten with Phoebe which you know can certainly make people act immature and childish Mm -hmm. and then you get asshole Baldwin show up a little bit later who's instantly trying to manipulate him so of course he you know bristles and pushes back but I wish it had been handled just slightly differently. I can see what you're saying and I I don't know I honestly personally and maybe my
1: having seen the later episodes are clouding this feeling i genuinely i genuinely i I can't separate them but Mm -hmm. i do feel like marcus and phoebe do like i i genuinely believe them as like backup main characters if if, okay if that makes any sense you know like Mm -hmm. if matthew and diana suddenly i don't know disappeared i could buy marcus and phoebe as the new main characters that that's how much
0: i like them Well, that gives me hope and makes me look forward to seeing them again. Uh, Because right now, I just want to go back to the past. I I understand. Look, I agree with that. (laughs) I am
1: definitely way more interested in the past than I am in the modern day stuff. But I do also like
0: that we're not, like, forgetting about the modern day people. Yeah. Okay. So that's a whole other big tangent. But why is Marcus at the auction house meeting Phoebe? You're not asking me. We're moving on. Okay. Right. I thought you were... Well, we... (laughs) (laughs) For
1: a second there, I was like what to get the the <laughs> miniatures and then, <laughs> you're sitting there like mandy did you watch the episode yeah. <laughs> uh yeah no um so they found some miniatures of matthew and diana the paintings that they gave to jack in the previous episode mm-hmm. have shown up and they want them because i guess it's it's the first time the modern day people have had confirmation that you know Matthew and Diana made it to where they wanted to be,
0: and they're alive. hmm Right. Because, again, in the previously on, we get to see M looking for clues in the past, trying to find something about Diana, um, which she didn't do. So, of course, that's uh, largely what this episode is about, um, that the miniatures exist. So now they all know that at least Matthew and Diana were alive and well at the time the miniatures were painted. Yes. Um. So then we cut to Sator for a very quick scene. One of my favorite bits is that Sarah loves Mart's food.
1: Oh, my God. I love her telling Isabeau that she should definitely keep Mart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they haven't been together for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But like, yeah. oh, definitely keep her.
0: Yeah. Sarah her, does not get cooking. a lot to do. Yeah. Sarah doesn't get a lot to do this season. But when she does speak, yeah, it's pretty great. It's great. Like, as if Isabeau gives one single shit about food. Right? <laughs> so good. I love Sarah. <laughs> um, so this is also when we are explicitly told that Isabeau is actively looking for signs of Diana and Matthew in the past that have made it to the present, mm-hmm. like the miniatures. So they show um, Sarah and M the miniatures. And um, I don't remember how Sarah and M react other than, oh, they made it. They were alive. Yeah, that's pretty much And then much we it. just cut away again. And then we get there's some
1: Knox a- and Sherbert, right?
0: Not yet. Oh,
1: there's... Oh, Not okay. yet. Right. We go
0: back to the auction house. Oh. Um, Marcus wins the auction for the miniatures for a mere $94,000 when he was willing to pay 200000 I have to say, man, I wish I could throw around money like that. Right. Oh. Um, yeah, no, this is another just quick scene. He wins the auction, but he can't take them home. Oh, Um, because the auction house has a policy that payment has to clear, but they don't take cash, even though he's willing to pay cash. There's more flirting with Phoebe.
1: Yeah, I don't understand Phoebe being reluctant to go out with him later uh, because I'm like, he's cute. He's got money. He can just fling it around willy nilly. He can have (laughs) a 100,000 basically rounding up pounds on him in cash anytime he wants. Yeah. Go out with him. Just in
0: case, you know? I mean, she does, but... Yeah, no, she absolutely does. She absolutely does. So then we get Peter going to see Gerber in Venice. And we get uh, Peter's giving confirmation to Gerber that before Matthew and Diana went into the past, that witches, demons, and vampires were all together, um, explicitly violating the covenant. Um, Peter says that Matthew formed his own cabal, which I think is the first time we've heard that word. Oh well, yes. They said Shadow Covenant last season, I believe. Mm, okay. And then we cut to Jerbear showing Peter a map that has, right. it, it's like a serial killer map. Yeah. But with it's lines and diagrams and notes everywhere. And it's all of the information Jerbear has about the book. And he's just lounging back on his couch drinking wine showing it's Peter. Yep don't actually understand the point of this thing at all because we don't see Peter Knox again in the episode.
1: I mean, my note here says Javert and Knox being best buddies. They deserve each other.
0: I like your take on that. <laughs> yeah. Where does Domenico fit in, in this little best buddy thing? I can't answer
1: that because... Okay, okay, little
0: spoiler here. The, if Domenico's,
1: I think, is like very last line this season is literally like, yo, I'm for sale. Who wants me? <laughs> and that's where Domenico okay. fits in. He doesn't is- give a single shit as long as he gets what he wants.
0: I like it. Fair enough. Um, then we get to see Marcus's house. I like Marcus's house. It's gorgeous. I want it. It is gorgeous, except for that tiny, tiny refrigerator, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> it's um, so
1: ridiculous. It's got a <laughs> mini
0: fridge. <laughs> in a giant house, a tiny mini oh, fridge God. that you would have in a dorm room. It's crazy. Um, Sophie and Nate live with him now, which I think is amazing because one of the things we loved the most last season was the relationship that Marcus and Nate had developed. Yes. And so he's protecting them now and he's planning on like, Sophie's supposed to have the baby there and he's supposed to deliver the baby. And it's like this whole little family just set up in, in his house. I love it.
1: I wrote down one big happy creature family.
0: Aww. Uh,
1: I do want to point out here that Agatha says a line, she says, Baldwin owes me a debt. And just, I just want people to keep that in mind.
0: That is a callback to what happened last season, right? Yeah, when she... In the voting. Voted on the congregation in his favor.
1: Although, I mean, she did it for Sophie and Nate, really, but why not also get a debt out of it? Absolutely. um, Just... Baldwin does some shit later, and I just want everybody to keep in mind how how much
0: of a shit he is. yeah, I have a few things to say about Baldwin later in this episode, too. Um, we also get a the tiniest little glimpse of Miriam here, yes. She is uh, taking blood from Sophie to check on the baby. We find out that there's potentially something wrong with the baby. Enough that neither Miriam or Marcus are comfortable with a home birth and want Sophie to give birth in a hospital. I do like this this quick glimpse we get here
1: of Marcus as a doctor and how mm-hmm. we see him have like good bedside manner and know how to talk to his patients and that sort of thing. And how he's like, look, everything's fine, just to be sure. You know, like, I I really Mm -hmm. liked that glimpse
0: of Dr. Marcus. I think that that's kind of the real Marcus, you know? I think so, too. Especially with somebody that he considers family, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's not having to pretend to be something that he's not. They know he's a vampire. They know he's centuries years old. You know, they just, they know him for who he is. And so he gets to just be. Yeah. And that Marcus, I like. That is not the Marcus that we get with Phoebe in this episode. Mm. So where do we go after that? Gore. Oh my God, Get the yes. dead body.
1: Which, see, whenever I see something like that, I can't help but think that the prop department must have had a field day making that. Like, it must have been so much fun. hmm And I, but it's just like a glimpse of a dead body that's been mutilated like that. That's what I think of it as, a prop. I don't even see a human, like, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all because I just imagine people painting it and having a good time making it as bloody as possible. I don't know, that sounds
0: fun. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about it in that way, but that makes it more enjoyable, if enjoyable is the right word.
1: I guess when you've taken classes on prop design,
0: it just skews your brain. Yeah. They've definitely stepped up their portrayal of vampire violence. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we got some last year. I think last season, the most violent we saw was probably Juliet killing Matthew. Yes. Which was bloody, but not... Well, OK, not killing Matthew, but trying to kill him since obviously he's not dead. But it, it, it was bloody, but it wasn't overly gory. And mm-hmm. this like chest cavity is ripped open and bones are showing his neck is completely shredded. I'm pretty and sure you can literally see his
1: heart. Oh, it's so good.
0: Right. And it's not just a glimpse. Like they fully focus on yeah. this body for a few seconds while Domenico was looking at it. And I think it's to impress upon us the gravity of what happens when a vampire with blood rage is loose yeah um even though at this point in the episode they're still just kind of hinting around it
1: well when he calls your bear he's like blood rage is back or one of
0: them says it i don't know yeah i don't Um, remember did we hear anything about blood
1: rage in season one
0: no no okay no that was one of the things that that we were frustrated about that's what i thought i just wasn't I wasn't sure. Okay, great. But I honestly now because of this episode and the way they told Marcus about it, I understand why they didn't tell us because we're getting the information kind of the same way Marcus is and I, I'm i okay with that now. Yeah. So Marcus as a
1: stand in for the audience is probably another reason they made him seem kind of young.
0: Mm, yeah. Where are we? Domenico called Gerber. Yes. And doesn't recognize the vampire who did it. So he decides to go sniff the streets. As one does. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, let's just go walk around, smell in the air, see what we find, and he ends up at the auction house. This is this is when I
1: really fucking hate Domenico. Cause he's like, Oh, a murder is happening. I'll just wait for him to finish. Like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't. The first time I watched it, I didn't realize that's what was happening. Like the way they framed the shot, like you can hear it happening, but it, because he was sniffing and looking for clues, I interpreted it as him imagining things happening. Ah. Until the reveal later in the episode that he had to clean it up. And then I was like, oh my God, he was there while it was happening. And so when I rewatched it and realized he's literally just standing there, yeah. you see while the vampire leave. Yeah, that's a blink and you miss it. Yeah, thing because it's just a blur across the screen, and so I, the first time I saw it, I didn't make the connection until oh, yeah. I definitely the just reveal.
1: realized that in like watching it right now before we recorded, I was like, oh, there's a blur. So like my third time watching it, right?
0: So then why doesn't Domenico follow that vampire? I'm why does he go into to- or try to intercept him or something?
1: Like he just watches him go, and I'm like, Domenico. Yeah, fucker.
0: Right. He's there. He tracked him there, like, scenting the vampire that he doesn't recognize. So he knows he's there murdering somebody, but then he just lets him leave so that he can see why the vampire was there. Like, I feel like, I get that there's two separate priorities, but I feel like capturing... Said murderous vampire. What do they call him in the papers? Drac the Ripper. Yeah, (laughs) is is more important, but clearly Domenico has his own agenda, which we're not entirely clear on yet. Other than he wants power. Yeah, and so maybe he just wants information more than anything else, because information is what's going to give him the power that he wants. I can absolutely
1: see where maybe he just he wants to find out who it is without putting himself in any danger and maybe trying to intercept him. He'd be like, man, I don't want to take on a blood rage vampire who's just fed. So I just came to that conclusion right now while we were talking about this. So actually, I forgive him for not. Well, not forgive him, but I understand why his character wouldn't have intercepted. Yeah. Domenico does have a strong sense of self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah clearly
0: he's for sale right (laughs) yeah
1: so i feel a little bit better about that now okay it's still it's still a shitty thing to do to hear somebody being murdered and not try to help really really shows what kind of a what type of a person
0: domenico is oh yeah domenico's a shithead he's always been a shithead though That's not surprising
1: i guess he doesn't seem like too much of a shithead when contrasted with gerbera knox who are like Actively murdering and doing whatever the fuck they want, while yeah. he is just like, yeah, I'm just gonna let stuff happen. Yeah. My next note skips over some stuff, I guess. Uh, what is your next note? It's about Isabeau
0: and Sarah and M. Oh, yeah. So before we get there, um, we just we there, we quickly find out um, that there was a break in at the auction house. Mm-hmm. Um, the vault door was ripped open. The security card is missing. The only item taken from the vault were the miniatures of Matthew and Diana.
1: Which really glows, glows, jeez! Which really goes to show that whoever doing this wasn't thinking at all, because obviously, even if you were after something specific, you take other things so that they don't know you were after something specific, or they don't know what it was. So, dude must have been in a blood rage because that was dumb, super dumb. (laughs) Oh God! Just because I know who it is, you know, like they would be upset at us calling them dumb.
0: Of course, but I mean, not the brightest crayon in the box. Let's, let, let's Yeah. You know, come on. Okay. So then we get some more Isabeau. All
1: right. And like the whole point of this scene is to like Sarah and M and Isabeau talking about the miniatures being stolen and the plot thickens and blah, 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 blah. But what's really important here is seeing the relationship between Sarah and M living with Isabeau because it's the best and it's so, they're so like clashy, mm-hmm. but. Every time they talk, like Sarah and Isabeau are the best. I love them both. I wish they were best friends, even though they're too much, too similar, really, Mm -hmm. to get on. I just, I like every time that they're talking.
0: I do. Sarah has the best line in in here. It's basically, she's um, Cartman from South Park. She gets all feisty and says, we're grown women. We can look after ourselves. It's like, I can do what I want. (laughs) She's totally, I'm a grown ass woman and I can do what I want. And she says it to Isabeau. And I love it.
1: But like if the situations were reversed somehow, like Isabel would say the exact same thing. Like, I'm a grown woman. I can do what I want. Oh, she absolutely would. So I love the two of them. And then we get more talk about or we get um, telling Sarah about maybe trying to contact the dead. And that's an interesting conversation. And I love their relationship. But really, what's important here is Sarah has her hair up with a knitting needle through it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just. I really enjoy their, and they're always just like covered in the weirdest looking knitwear, which I love. It's fabulous. I, I just like the look that they've given the two of them. It's very mm-hmm. specific and they really stuck to it, which I like. And yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay. I think um, I don't necessarily notice it specifically anymore because to me that is just, that's Sarah and Em. And so I know You're right that's just how they are. Um, although I do always notice because they focus so much on M's hands when she's doing magic, I do mm-hmm. always notice her fingerless gloves. Yes. And I love them because I love fingerless gloves.
1: Me too. And I love the implication that the castle is cold, just like all the time. Yes. Well, I mean, it's a castle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I like it. It would be.
1: But then, yeah, they have an argument about using higher magic because it's dangerous. And
0: yeah, Sarah is angry, but you can also tell she's scared. Yeah. Because M has kind of done this before, and they don't tell us specifically what happened, but it was bad. Yeah, um, with M trying to to contact the dead, um, so she figures out that that's what she's trying to do. She makes M swear not to do it again, and M agrees. Yes. Spoiler alert: She's lying. She is lying. Yes. Um, we also missed just a quick thing. um oh. Gerber, wants to meet isabeau oh yes see this is why i agree with you about not much happening in this episode
1: when taking my notes i just skipped over full things because my Mm -hmm. brain was like not important not important moving on
0: yep yep so my notes i try when i take notes like every time we cut to another scene i try to make a note of it so that i know where we are Eh. i just Um, make notes
1: when i have something to say
0: (laughs) And so I have, like, all of these, like, tiny little, like, one-sentence line breaks in my notes because we cut back and forth so much. Yeah. We cut back to Marcus and Phoebe at the auction house where Marcus asks uh, Phoebe to dinner and makes the lamest joke a vampire could ever possibly make. Okay, but do you think he says that to every single human person (laughs) he ever asks out?
1: Like, come on. He must. He must use that every time. He
0: probably does. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Come on. I don't bite. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: do. (laughs) I really enjoy his delivery of it, too. How he's just like so deadpan, like, I don't bite. I I can't even do it. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, oh, Okay. And then we pretty much. Well, sure. uh, Not sure. Domenico sees them, but that's not important. Then they cut to dinner and Phoebe has like this huge wine glass that is full of obviously water. But she says later that it's supposed to be gin. And it's just like, is it just a giant glass of gin? Like, it's huge.
0: If it's, It also had like a giant ice cube floating in it or something.
1: I don't even know. But if that is one giant glass of gin, she's going to be so drunk.
0: Well, maybe that was supposed to help with all of the awkward flirting. You mean the fabulously
1: awkward flirting, sure.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's make it even more awkward and have Domenico walk in. I know to <laughs> the fucker crashed your
1: date yeah. i guess
0: he was really bored in that chair well and so what do you do when you see your arch enemy walk in on your first date with this awkwardly geeky beautiful woman you tell her you have to go call your grandmother it's really sexy mm, so sexy <laughs> yeah
1: I, yeah i mean i guess i can appreciate somebody who cares about their family but it does seem a strange strange time to do it
0: I mean, okay, so I am I'm giving Marcus a really hard time here, but I do actually understand it because he's been talking to his grandmother on and off all day Mm -hmm. because of the auction. And Mm -hmm. so Phoebe is aware that that's a thing that the grandmother was upset. You know, I I get it. It's just it made for a funny joke.
1: Yeah, I don't see how I feel like if I was Marcus and Domenico showed up like that, I would ignore him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I would, too and be like, "Oh, he wants to talk? Too fucking bad, bro." I would have at least made him walk over and like ask me to talk to him.
1: I guess I guess I can see where you didn't where Marcus wanted to avoid having to explain Domenico to Phoebe.
0: Mhm.
1: Eh. But anyways, this all results in uh, Marcus and Domenico talking on the roof or something, a balcony. I think they're on the street out front. Sure. And then uh Marcus not marcus uh domenico leans in and gives him a long sniff
0: <laughs> yes yes he does okay. which is dumb because he already knows what marcus smells like yeah it, like it, he knows marcus is not this vampire that he didn't recognize oh yeah. right it's
1: stupid it's dumb but marcus's face makes it worth it okay <laughs> dude <laughs> you need a breath mint and his oh uh first of all you're not my type that was a good line. Yeah, it's good. I, I will give him that. It is dumb because he, even if he didn't like have Marcus's scent cataloged in his brain or whatever, he wouldn't have needed to lean in. They're vampires; they can just, and everything's mm-hmm. good.
0: Um, we also get here in this scene. There's a couple things happening here that, and some of them irritate me. Um, Domenico tells Marcus about the vampire killing people and that he has blood rage, mm-hmm. and Marcus is like, "Nah, blood rage doesn't exist anymore." And uh, Domenico is very insistent that it does and then uh, tells him that he had to clean up the stuff at the vault. Um, And then he gets very, like, menacing and is like, make sure that your date doesn't ask questions about the guard. And then what happens when we go back in? Immediately Phoebe starts asking questions. Just a little heavy-handed. yeah. Because there was nothing that would have indicated that Phoebe was going to start asking questions about the guard and the vault and the break-in. And before he even sits down, she's like rapid fire asking questions. And so it just, it didn't, it didn't flow well for me. I can
1: see that, but I guess it makes sense just because that's their, that's literally what their connection is, you know, the, 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 um, the theft.
0: Yeah, that's true. I just like to complain at this episode, I think. That's fair. We also did find out that Domenico was not the one who stole the miniatures. Yeah, because he didn't know what was going Cause we on. we didn't know that yet. Yeah, he didn't know anything was stolen until... Until Marcus said that. Until Marcus asked him, did you take uh, anything? Poor Marcus. I can see him wanting to ask, but shit that he had to he's give just, it away. He's so naive. Yeah. Like, and that I buy. Like, I, naive, being naive and being immature, not the same thing. Yeah. And so I can buy him being naive, especially because we know he's been protected by Matthew for his Probably. whole life. Yeah. So. So then
1: Phoebe and Marcus finish their date. They go on a walk. Song number two of the episode plays, which is Old Fashioned by Bruno Major. I like that one.
0: I didn't know any of the songs in this episode.
1: Oh, I had to look them all up. Don't worry. Oh, OK. okay. I've just in looking them up. I listen to them. OK. But these first two lulled me into a sense of, aha, I'm finding them all. It is so easy. Hmm, <laughs> not so with the last one. Oh, I wonder what it could be. I guess we'll find out. It's just another cover that I couldn't find. Anyways. Um, and then, so Phoebe goes home and Mark, and then we have a really great scene between Marcus and Nate where they're talking. And I just really enjoy how the show is taking themes from the book. And talking about them in a way that is relevant to real world today. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Nate, who is, from all we've seen, sort of a, you know, a middle class black man talking with Marcus, who is a very rich, very privileged 200 year old white guy. And the conversation that they have, I just, it's really great. And you can see how it makes Marcus think about things and how
0: much power he does have. Yeah. I mean, because Marcus is basically just like, don't worry. You know, you and Sophie are safe. You have the Knights of Lazarus watching over you. And Nate's like, what are you talking about? You guys don't do anything. There are so many bad things happening in the world. What Mm -hmm. are the Knights actually doing? Um, And then he has a great line. He says they need a rebrand. Yeah. And it's good because it, it makes Marcus actually start thinking. Like he has, he's still operating the way that he always has in the past just knows that they exist and that they're out there doing things he's forgotten that he's been given power. Yeah. And that he is part of the Knights of Lazarus now. And so it's great that he gets a reminder here.
1: Yeah, and that he can now do what he wants with that power and that he should be he should make good decisions.
0: Mhm.
1: I really like that and I really like that that's not the last time we'll see that sort of theme come up. And then Phoebe calls. I do love That Phoebe got home and was just like, fuck it, I'm calling him. You know, zero shame, zero worry about it, anything. She's just like, actually, no, let's just spend the night together.
0: Yeah. Yep. So she comes over and, you know. Sexy times happen. Sexy times happen while leaving the door open while other people live in the house. (laughs) I get that that was just for the
1: shot, but the whole time (laughs) I'm looking at it, I'm like, um. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, that's what I got out of that scene is don't leave the door open, you guys.
1: Especially since, like, I don't think Phoebe knows that there's other people in the house. She doesn't. She has no idea. Can you imagine? I mean, there's more going on later on when she finds other people in the house. But her being like, oh, shit, the door was open. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Maybe Marcus has his own floor and everybody else stays off of it. That's a possibility. I'd like to put that in my head and not that Marcus was just being an ass.
0: Well, I don't think he was being an ass. I think he was just distracted by sexy times. Oh, that's fair. So um, then we get sassy Isabeau talking to Gerbert. I do also love this scene. I love Isabeau being superior to Gerbert in every way. Yes. Everything that she says. You came 800 miles for this. Next time, send an email. Yep. Like That's like the best line ever to come out of Isabeau's mouth because she's so old fashioned. Yes. It's great. Yeah. I I really love the journey
1: that we've seen Isabeau take over last season and this season Mm -hmm. and her just how she does sort of realize that, you know, if everything else is changing, maybe I need to change a little bit too.
0: But she, she had like her actions haven't changed. Her personality hasn't changed. It's just the where she directs. Yeah. Her sassy superiorness has changed. It's great. I like to think it's a little
1: bit like with everything happening, it's helping her kind of move past losing Philippe and Mm. therefore she's able to like direct her her abilities and and personality and like direct them better I guess instead of
0: being angry at people and uh, this way she can be angry at the right people yes like and I also can't imagine how it must feel she spent so long essentially alone right and now she has people to care for
1: I don't know. I don't really think of it that way. I think of it as the opposite. She spent so long with Philippe, like thousands of years. And he's only been gone for like 70-ish, like in the grand scheme of a
0: a thousand years, right? You're right. For her, she hasn't been alone very long at all. Yeah.
1: And so I think those 70, 80 years, I don't know, I didn't do the math, um, were probably like the loneliest of her life. But a lot of it was probably by choice because she still has children and you know, Philippe's children are still alive. And like the de Clermonts are still around a lot, but I can absolutely see where maybe she didn't really want to talk to them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She wasn't or when she did, you know, she was like the first Isabeau that we saw last season. She was very standoffish, even to Matthew. Mm-hmm. So I like seeing her the more that they have to talk to people and get involved in what's going on, the more she... You can see a good, fierce leader in her, and you can see why Philippe would, would have loved Isabeau. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have M breaking her promise basically right away. Mm-hmm. Oh, M.
0: Yep. And she does, she tries her spell again to connect with Rebecca. It works for a moment. We see Rebecca try mm-hmm. to say something, and then she fades away, and M just sneaks back into bed. I can only assume they're trying to set something up for the future because otherwise, this has n- no meaning
1: no comment. All right. I I will say one of the things that I really love about how they write M and show M is just how much she is she's just part of the Bishop family. Like she isn't on the outside at all. You can see how much she cares about Rebecca and Diana and vice versa and it's just as much as Sarah does. And it's mm-hmm. just as much as like Rebecca and Diana care about M just as much as they care about Sarah. Right. And you know like to her detriment even you know because she's willing to break this promise right away because she wants to talk to Rebecca again you know she wants to help Diana and I I feel like we don't get enough of even like straight relationships you know in in tv shows they're always kind of have um oh, what's the word uh conflict with their in-laws you know like they never yeah. quite feel just part of the family so often and I I love that that's not how they did with them Mm-hmm. They don't really get into it in the show, but, like, she was friends with Rebecca before she got together with Sarah. Mm-hmm. And I like that they show that, that she she's just as worried about Rebecca as, as yeah. everyone else. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, I think that's, I think it's good. Oh, and then we get Phoebe Snooping, which... Phoebe Snooping. Okay, so, I, as you all know, I mentioned in a previous episode how Snooping is Diana's favorite pastime. And I just love this idea that the two of them are going to be such good friends. <laughs>
0: Because they like to snoop. They they both
1: love history and snooping and vampires. So yep. <laughs> they're going to be enough. great friends and I'm excited to see them together. Maybe yeah. that's a spoiler. I don't know. Whatever.
0: Little. I think a little bit because so far Phoebe does not yet love vampires.
1: Right. But they wouldn't spend this much time on her if she wasn't going to be important.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. So she is looking for a drink, which I think is totally reasonable. She's getting a glass of water. She opens Marcus's impossibly tiny fridge. (laughs) So tiny. Why Why do you have a mini fridge in a house this big? In a kitchen that big. It's a gorgeous kitchen. It is. But
1: mini fridge.
0: Mini fridge with a blood bag in it. Um, No, but
1: like a blood bag and like some vegetables. So it's like Marcus's snacks on this side. Sophie's snacks on that side. (laughs) it's so i i wish that they'd had a bigger fridge with like more of that ridiculousness in it yeah just to show how much their lives had integrated Mm -hmm. because i i like you know the big happy creature family living together yeah and now can you imagine spending an evening with this charming dude you just met and then randomly a pregnant woman shows up
0: (laughs) I love that she just outright asks her, that's not Marcus's, right? Like, I wouldn't have done that. And she's just like, I got to know. And then Sophie's like, oh, God, no. (laughs) Um, So Phoebe's sitting there looking at photographs that she found in a box that was just sitting out on the mantle. So I actually feel like that's, it's snooping, but it's not like an invasion of privacy because it was a box on the mantle. Yeah. Yeah. Full of photographs of Marcus through the ages, Um, although Phoebe apparently believes that all of Marcus's relatives just look exactly the same.
1: No, I think she believes he, like, created those photos for, like, some con that he might be running. Ah, okay.
0: That's right. She does call him a con man. She says, like, I've worked with a lot of con men in my job and blah, blah, blah. And... His rea- his initial reaction is very childish. It's weird. He ro- like, kind of rolls his eyes. Like, I can't believe you found this and I have to explain to you, blah, blah, blah. But then like, he decides that he cares enough that he wants to tell her the truth. I read his initial reaction a little differently.
1: Like, I read okay. it more as like, oh, shit, now I'm just going to have to let her go. Hmm. Bef- like, before he decides to tell her, he's just like, I can't answer these questions. I don't like this. So he's just being like, ugh. You know, like it's, it's not, it's not, um, I read it more as resignation, not exasperation.
0: Okay. I like your interpretation better. Yeah. Okay. So he goes for a walk with her and he just flat out tells her the truth. I'm a vampire, which is not what I expected. I know after one day, but (laughs) whatever. Like no lead up to it. No. Have you ever wondered why things happen this way? Blah, blah, blah. It's just, I'm a vampire. I definitely feel
1: like Marcus could have done a little more here to prove it to her. But maybe he wasn't like 100% sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he, kind of tells her, he tells her facts, Mm -hmm. but like out of context facts a little bit. So, of course, she doesn't believe him, but she doesn't freak out. She just says he needs help and basically says, I enjoyed the night. Don't spoil it. Go get help. And I'm leaving. And she just leaves. Yeah. It's kind of anticlimactic, to tell you the truth.
1: Well, honestly, I think that that's, if I were in her situation, I think that's what I would do.
0: Be like, well, that was a nice night and we're done. I don't know that that I I would react that way. I would be like, oh my God, I can't believe I spent this evening with this crazy person. I'm an idiot. I, I would probably go more in that direction instead of just like, well, she might have been berating herself as she walked away, but like he hadn't done anything threatening. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And then we get Baldwin. Ugh, I fucking hate Baldwin. Why did they change his hair? Because it's just terrible. <laughs> Look, I agree, but <laughs> okay. You, is that not the first thing you noticed oh, no, when he no, showed no. up yeah, on screen? Absolutely,
1: his hair. Yes, one hundred percent. I. But then he's also just an asshole, so that's kind of what stuck with me.
0: Yeah, but he's the same asshole that he was in season one. See, I manipulative and ten. <sighs> you go. No, I mean, we liked him because the, the, the actor does a really good job at playing an asshole. And he still does, but Baldwin's always been an asshole. I agree. But, like,
1: last season, he was an asshole who was still loyal to his family. This season, he's like, fuck the family. I want what I want.
0: Hmm. I guess, I guess that's true because he's definitely, he's manipulating Marcus here. Yeah. Um, and again, we're getting more and more about Grandmaster of the Knights. Baldwin's jealous that he gave it to Marcus. He's trying to get Marcus to give it up. He, he, he's manipulating Marcus in in such a way where you know he says like, "Well, Matthew only gave it to you to get to me, right?" So making it about Baldwin and mm-hmm. making Marcus unimportant. Did okay. So I'm fairly certain this happened
1: in season one. Like Matthew told Marcus that Philippe never wanted Baldwin to have it, right? Yes. I. If I were Marcus, I 100% would have thrown that in Baldwin's face right there. So I appreciate Marcus's restraint. Mm-hmm. I want absolutely when he was talking about everything, I would have been like, dude, Philippe never wanted you to have it. He made Matthew promise because Philippe likes Matthew better than you, you asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah, but Marcus would never do that. Marcus no. is too nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit of a jackass, so... <laughs> Um, So then we go back to Domenico and we find out his email looks just like Facebook, um, which is when he gets the police report of the miniatures and realizes this is a clue for where Diana and Matthew are.
1: Which is interesting, I guess, that they find that out. I don't think they ever did in the book, but what doesn't really matter, but they can't really do anything about it
0: like oh well but there's it's not a they because he talks to Jerbear in the scene but doesn't tell him about the portraits like specifically doesn't oh i'd forgotten good point good point um so at this point Domenico's the only one who knows and you know for domenico information is power and so he is keeping it until the right moment yeah i don't know what that right moment's gonna be but he is not giving it up
1: my notes on this scene are literally just domenico back in his favorite chair
0: Oh Yeah, he was. Back in his favorite chair. Um, yeah, so the only point of this scene is that he finds out about the miniatures and yeah. doesn't tell. So then we go, uh, Marcus went to France really quickly, and he immediately told Isabeau about Phoebe, which is interesting.
1: I love, I love so much. Isabeau is just flat. Well, now you'll have to kill her. Right? <laughs> I genuinely don't know if she was being serious or funny, and I love it. And then immediately afterwards her well saved by her lack of imagination i just i love isabeau so much i do too i absolutely do too oh that's
0: that's literally like my last note okay all right so in this in this scene this is the final scene of the episode um we get more talk about the knights again the responsibility that marcus has or should have um Marcus realizes he wants to make a difference, and he's starting to realize he does have this power. And that's been this theme this whole episode, right? Starting with the conversation with Nate, on to Baldwin trying to take it from Marcus. And now Marcus is like, wait, I can actually do something. Isabeau gives him some really good advice here. She says, don't tear down the establishment without understanding how it was built. I love that line. Mm-hmm. And then we get the reveal. Isabeau tells Marcus about blood rage. She understands... If it's in her bloodline, he has it too. And now he understands why Matthew killed everyone he ever sired. And now we understand why Matthew was so upset Yeah, in season one when Marcus tried to save his friend. And Marcus clearly feels betrayed here. And so I hope we come back to that later in the season. But... This is where the episode ends. You know, Marcus understands that Isabeau and he are both carriers. Mm -hmm. And they've tried to call it out of everyone else. And now there's blood rage. Somebody who has blood rage is killing and it could come back to them and destroy the family. And we also learn that, like, Matthew is not just a carrier. He is fully afflicted. Yes. Before this, as far as anybody knew, Matthew was the well so as far as anybody knew blood rage had been eradicated Mm -hmm. and then philippe and isabeau knew that matthew had it and thought matthew was the only one left who was fully afflicted and had it under control but now there's clearly another vampire yes out there who has it and then we get next previews from the next episode where we are fully back in the past and we see philippe and I'm pretty excited about that. But we also see Diana being really, really pissed off at Matthew. And so I'm really, really curious to watch the next episode.
1: Yes, it's good. Um, the song during the next on in the credits is Shout by Tears for Fears, but it's a cover that I once again could not find. I listened to a lot of bad covers once again. This is my lot in life. Okay.
0: I did not try to look this one up like I did the last one.
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, you. this I'm is sorry. a mission, a pain, I don't know, that I have inflicted upon myself. So you really have. <laughs> no need for you to also suffer. Okay.
0: All right. So I think that's it for the non-spoilery things. Um if you have not yet read the book or you haven't seen further in the, the series, you might want to just turn us off until next week. Otherwise come join us for a little bit more.
1: All right. So like Peter Knox is supposed to be investigating these murders, which is a pretty big point cuz he's literally working with Benjamin, and I just don't understand how they're going to have that come around. I think that they've messed that up.
0: Haven't you finished the season? Don't you know?
1: Yeah, they don't That's but that's book 3 shit though, so it doesn't oh, It doesn't okay. come up. Okay. Like there's there are things in season 2 that I'm like Whoa! We don't find that out until like well into book three. What is happening here? But not, not Peter Knox. And how and if he's working with uh, Benjamin?
0: Maybe he's not. Maybe they gave it to somebody else. Maybe it's Domenico.
1: Maybe I don't know. Maybe that, that's... that would be. I mean, Peter Knox is still clearly an evil asshole this season. He still does very bad things later. Yeah. I like that I'm in the spoiler section. I'm still not saying. but
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate it because I still haven't watched the rest of the season. But you know who dies. I was going to, like this morning, I was just going to keep watching. And then I was like, I can't because I need to just have episode four on when we talk about it. Otherwise, I would have been super confused. Mm -hmm. Um, This afternoon, I'm absolutely watching more. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) I I liked... Well, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, you
1: you don't like this episode because you just feel like you want to be in the past. Mm -hmm. And I'm genuinely worried about how they're going to do season three for that exact reason. Because season two feels so much like a really interesting period drama. And I genuinely don't know how they're going to bring it back and and still keep it as good.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Well... Have to see when we get there. Hopefully we don't have to wait two years for it, but
1: I genuinely don't think we will because of um they don't have to delay filming for Teresa. Like mm. they're they're already almost done. They're just finishing up filming season three, so that's way ahead of where they were on season two previously. Okay. Okay. So hopefully. That was really the only spoiler I wanted to talk about. I'm just I don't know how they're gonna or if they're gonna have Peter Knox working with Benjamin or if they're gonna meet up later. I don't know.
0: I guess we'll find out in season three. I guess we will. I don't have anything else to add for this section because I just didn't like this episode very much.
1: (laughs) I guess I do have a a slight spoiler correction from a previous spoiler section. I talked about how um, Father Hubbard makes Jack a vampire, but at the time I'd completely forgotten that Benjamin had made Father Hubbard a vampire. So Jack has blood rage too. I'd just completely forgotten that's all. That That was a correction. I was like, no, it's cool that Father Hubbard makes him because he just really wants to see Matthew and Diana again. And then I was reminded about bad things that... Mm-hmm. Anyways.
0: Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll see. I'm... Oh, God, there's so much coming up. But so many of the things that I want to see are in season three. Like what? Well, I want to see Grown-Up Jack. Oh,
1: yeah, me too. Oh, I'm so... I'm... I get why they haven't announced his casting, but... Please tell us who's playing Grown Up Jack.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a while before they start giving us anything no, about season three. They're probably going to wait until season two has fully aired in North America.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I genuinely think we're going to get season three this time next year because I don't, I don't see why they would wait. We'll see. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but...
0: I'm not really optimistic about anything these days, so... <laughs> I have... Television I'm... is
1: the one thing I can be <laughs> optimistic about. Is
0: it, though? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll
1: all see. right. Let's wrap it up, I guess. Um, so okay. we'd love to know what you think of season two so far. Tweet at us at Desire Made Real. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find all my other shows on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin.
0: And I am Mandy Kay. And you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eloquentgushing. Or if you just want to yell at me for not liking this episode, I am on Twitter at Mandy Kay.
1: Join us next week as we talk about episode five, where we finally, finally meet Philippe. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there's a new beginning.